Welcome to the Triangle Gardener Show. We're your guide to enjoyable gardening in North Carolina. We're gearing up for the fall planting season, and I'm on a mission to see just how homegrown homemade food can be. Today I'm learning that I can grow some real basics in my yard that I've never considered. But last year, an 850 square foot space, we ended up with 25 pounds of ground flour. And to me, that's, that's meaningful. Thanks to Garden Destinations, who sponsored this story. Garden Destinations is a new digital magazine for travelers who want to include the world's finest public gardens and garden destinations under their travel plans. You can find them on their website, gardendestinations.com. Now, here's today's story. I come from a farming family, and I try to make my tiny patch of suburban heaven as productive as possible. While newspapers and garden magazines are touting the glories of urban gardening, there's a lot of land out here in suburbia. In fact, the Extension Service reports that collectively, our yards encompass about 190 million acres. That's about as much land as all of our national parks combined. The USDA says it takes roughly about an acre of land to feed a person in the U.S., just imagine how much food we could produce if we utilized some of our suburban lawns to grow food. Now, I have lots of edible plants tucked into my ornamental beds, and I thought I was doing pretty well. Tomatoes, herbs, lettuce, strawberries, blueberries, you get the idea. But then, I met someone who's rocking it old school. Really old school. My name is Bree Arthur. And where are we, Bree? You are in my one-acre suburban foodscape down in the southernmost suburb of Raleigh, Fuqua Verena. I'm noticing your, your flower beds. Right now you've got a lot of beautiful larkspur growing. Um, but there's some other things peeping around in these beds. Why don't we take a look, walk over this way and you can tell me about some of the things that people might not typically think to put in their flower beds. Well, I've become obsessed with grains. And, you know, grains are this great opportunity for people, particularly in the southeast, where we have a milder winter climate, to have something green all winter. And, you know, growing wheat and different varieties of oats and, of course, summer grains like rice and sorghum are, are I just think they're an unusual edible, but it's a real nod to what's at the base of all of our diets, whether you eat cons whether you eat carbohydrates directly or you eat animals, you're never eliminating the carbohydrates from your consumption in some context. Bria is growing 12 different varieties of ancient grains in her garden. These are grains that aren't in commercial production, and they've not been changed through crossbreeding or genetic modification. And while they may have better nutritional value, they have traits that make them undesirable for large-scale agriculture, but well-suited for our gardens. Bree's description of how she grows greens may sound familiar to our great-grandparents. Well, I, I'm using 18th century methods. <laughs> so we, I still hand harvest everything. And really, I'm, I'm doing it in a way where I'm using the biomass to help build my soil profile. So nothing goes to waste. I leave the roots intact. I actually just cut them off basically at the ground and then cut the heads off. And this year we're going to be hand threshing. So we're actually going to have a, a threshing board that we beat the seeds out of and then it'll collect into a bucket. Um, and then from there you grind the seed and that's how you get flour. It's just that simple. It's something our ancestors all did. So how much can you produce on a, on a typical suburban garden? Well, you know, that's part of what this experiment is about. And I think uh, some varieties are going to be more productive than others. But last year, an 850-square-foot space, we ended up with 25 pounds of ground flour. And to me, that's, that's meaningful. If, if every person in this neighborhood had 850 square feet of wheat 
in production and that flour went to our local bakery, we would really reduce the amount of flour that's coming from 3,000 miles away by a significant margin. And this is just one neighborhood. You think about all the neighborhoods that are surrounding every city across this country. You, there's a lot of power that's not being harnessed right now in the suburban landscape. And so I, my hope is to raise awareness and not just with the fun summer crops, but with the real staples. And no, this is not suggesting that you're never going to buy food at the grocery store. It's a supplemental approach to changing ultimately the dynamic of commercial agriculture and trying to just hyper-localize some of the things that are at the base of our nutrition and cut down the food miles crisis. Everybody wins. <laughs> Having no experience growing grains, I had a quiz, Brie, about some of the real basics, like when to plant. I, I recommend everybody stop shopping on Black Friday and sow your oats, <laughs> literally. Uh, but really, in the Southeast, you can sow these grains anytime as the soil temperatures are getting cooler. So I think you could really start mid-October and do it anytime before Christmas, really till mid-December. You have a good two-month window to get them in the ground. Grain crops have extremely long roots, and a good rule of thumb is the roots of the plant are about twice as long as the part you can see above ground. Their roots grow much deeper than most of our garden plants. So grains are great for controlling erosion, and I'm going to try some oats on a steep hill in my yard. Bree's garden is pretty. The oats and wheat provide a lot of texture and movement, and they remind me of ornamental grasses. But unlike grasses, these grains stay green throughout the winter, and then they turn gold in late summer. And they're cheap to plant, some under a dollar for a pound of seeds, and that goes a long ways. So I'm going to buy a few different varieties and share with my gardening friends. We've listed sources for seeds on our website, trianglegardener.com. Here at Triangle Gardener, we want to know what edible plants work well in your gardens. So we've joined the National Plant Something campaign, and we're asking you to tell us what edible plants you enjoy growing here by using the hashtag PlantSomethingEdible in your social media postings. So tag your favorite edible plant on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and anywhere else in your digital world with the hashtag PlantSomethingEdible. You can find our show on iTunes. If you like what we're doing, give us a review. I'm Lise Jenkins, and this is the Triangle Gardener Show. We're your guide to enjoyable gardening in North Carolina. Thanks for listening. <laughs>